Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast. It's Jane Matthews here with you today and this week we're going to be taking a look at what has been going on in the mortgage market. You will have noticed that mortgages are back in a prominent position in the news over the last couple of weeks. This all kicked off at the end of May when April's inflation figure was released and was higher than the Bank of England forecast. As a result of this, gilt yields and swap rates started to edge upwards and mortgage lenders in response started to pull products from the market in order to reprice them. Last week, we saw over 800 mortgage products pulled by lenders and over the weekend, a further 200 were withdrawn. So what exactly does this mean for borrowers and for homeowners? Are we in a situation akin to the weeks and months after last year's disastrous mini-budget or are we now over the worst of it? Joining us today to discuss this is mortgage expert at Quilter, Karen Noy, Nick Mendes, Mortgage Technical Manager at John Charcoal, and Chris Sykes, Technical Director at London-based mortgage brokerage Private Finance. So welcome everyone, it's great to have you here today. Great to be here, thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Great, so Nick, I'll come to you first if that's okay. I did kind of touch on it there, but if you can just give us a quick recap on why exactly lenders started to pull rates and what was it about April's inflation figure that really sparked this? So what we saw is when it came to the inflation figures, the market was expecting the inflation to be slightly lower than what was actually coming out. So as a result of that, the what we take into account the forecast is that the Bank of England is essentially going to have to up the base rate um, later this month and potentially in, in further months as well to really combat and bring that inflation down. As a result of that, with the markets reacting, we saw the gilts as well as the swaps go up, which is a key thing which affects the fixed rate pricing. So when we talk about lenders, you know, that essentially increased or temporarily threw their rates. It was NatWest, Nationwide, Santander and Halifax this morning. Um, and just to give you a bit of an insight into what we saw with Halifax, on the 5th of June, Halifax's five-year fee-free fixed rates were sub 5%, with the lowest at 4.42%, up to 60% LTV. Whereas today, all their remortgaged two-year and five-year fixed products are now shy or above 5%, with the same 60% LTV product up from 4.42% to 5.1%. So it just shows the volatility that's going on over the last two weeks. Yeah, definitely does. And Karen, up to this point, how was the sector doing? Like we obviously had um, a high point with rates around November last year, but things had kind of settled since then really, hadn't they? Yeah, before the recent developments, the markets were definitely settled. I mean, since we saw the spikes in November last year, I mean, as we come into 2023, you know, the predictions and the forecasts were looking much better than they were, obviously, around the, the end of last year. And the markets had, you know, stabilised uh, to a certain amount based upon that information and the forecasts that were available. Obviously, as, as Nick was saying, the, the CPI figures have been higher than they were expecting. Um, and, and due to that, it has created some turbulence in the market. Um, and obviously, we've seen this withdrawal of rates again that we experienced last year and obviously making, you know, the markets more challenging, not just for brokers, but for clients, especially with the lack of um, notice that the lenders give with withdrawal of rates. Mm-hmm. And that's something we will come back to um, later in the podcast, just on that lack of notice. But Chris, in terms of, you know, what is happening this week, we've had over a thousand products pulled. Um, I think this is about 12% of the market. So how big of a headache has this been for, for brokers and then for borrowers by extension? 
So, brokers, it, it has been a stressful time, but I think the, the real important people here are the borrowers and the effects it's having on them. So um, it really does put stress on borrowers with uh, products being withdrawn, um, both because, one, they may well be rushed into decisions, and that's never a good thing. Um, for example, if a broker has warned them that a rate is being removed, um, they might only have a matter of um, a matter of hours to make a decision of if they wanted to move f- forward with a potential product. So um, that's not a good thing. But the, the good news is that, that this week we have seen some of these products coming back and, and the products that were removed were mostly specialist buy-to-let products. So for a standard borrower buying a residential home, although the rates now are higher than we have seen in previous weeks, um, the good news is that a lot of it was more affecting the buy-to-let market. So, um, and some of those products have now come back as well. Um, albeit at higher pricing, unfortunately. Right, yeah. And this is something I'm kind of, I'm interested to hear each of your perspectives on this. You know, we've heard some people compare what's happened in the last two weeks to what we saw in the weeks after the mini budget. Um, Karen, I guess I'll come to you first. Do you think this is a fair, a fair comparison? Um, yes and no. Comparing the situation um, to the mini budget last year, I mean, yes, there is some similarities and we are obviously seeing a sudden shift in the market conditions. However, you know, the conditions aren't, you know, the situation is, I think, less severe just because we are now used to a higher interest rate environment. Obviously, last year we saw a a big increase in the interest rates and we've been used to a very low interest rate environment. So I feel that, you know, the impact is less severe now because we have started to adjust to to new market conditions that we have seen since, you know, the mini budget last year. Yeah. And Chris, what do you think? I'm kind of interested in your perspective on that as well. I, I completely agree. It, it it has similarities, but it's nowhere near the same. And, and as, as you said there, um, although rates may have gone up by sort of 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6, maybe 0. 0.7% in, in some instances um, with lenders now, um, that's a rate going from four and a half to, to five and a, and, and a bit. Whereas previously, um, but before the mini budget, we were used to rates in the twos. And then quite quickly, we were seeing rates in the sixes. Mm. Um, so it, it's a much less drastic increase. And um, that's obviously a, a real positive, as well as post um, post mini budget. It was mainstream lenders and residential lenders withdrawing rates as well as specialist buy to let lenders. So although some similarities, as you said, um, yeah, n- not the same. OK, that's, that's positive, I think. I think people will be happy to hear that. Nick, is that something that you would agree with as well? Absolutely, yeah. As 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 both Karen um, and and Chris have mentioned, there's definitely similarities, but nothing compared to the scale and the aftershock following the mini budget. Um, lenders haven't withdrawn and repriced to the same scale, and likewise, the average fixed rates aren't above six percent. Sure. And Chris, you were saying earlier that you know lenders are now starting to come back to the market, um, and it was mainly buy to let that was kind of particularly hit. Do you think the dust has settled now and we will start to see these product numbers creep back up? Almost certainly. Yes, I think so. These lenders, they still need to uh, they still need to make money. They still need to do business. Um, the way specialist buy-to-let lenders are funded, they need to be more reactive to any rate changes um, because they are just for-profit businesses and, and don't have the fallbacks of savings and, and bonds and things that residential lenders will have. So, um, so yes, they, they have started to come back. And um, from what I've been speaking to lenders about, um, any that, that are out the market are still planning on coming back. Okay, good, good, good to hear. And Karen, do you think in terms of where 
rates are expected to go. Are you anticipating that rates will go up further in the next few months? I mean, at the moment, every forecast and prediction is, is suggesting that obviously um, interest rates will continue to rise. Um, I mean, the prediction now, obviously, with the new figures that come out recently with CPI, is that the base rate is expected to peak at maybe five and a half percent, whereas earlier this year we were um, hoping that it would peak about five. So there is definitely further increases, I feel, that are coming. Um, it's just how difficult it is to predict at what, what stage they're going to kind of plateau and then hopefully start to come down in the future. But I feel that, you know, at the moment, in the short term, we're definitely going to see further increases. Mm. And that is the problem, isn't it, really, about trying to make these predictions and forecasts? Like, I mean, that's why we've had this uncertainty because the, the CPI forecast wasn't um, what the Bank of England expected. Nick, do you think, you know, if we if we get to... Um, the end of June, they say, and the CPI for May isn't what the Bank of England expected. What's to say that we won't be in a similar situation again? There's there's every chance of that. I, th- I think that when we look at where swaps are broadly, you know, two, three and five and 10 years from where they were Monday, they're either in line or slightly up. So unless there's going to be a substantial change in terms of inflation figures or the Bank of England do a surprise by doing a hold in terms of base rate, as, as Karen mentioned, we're not going to see any slight signs of reduction in fixed rates anytime soon. In relation to, you know, if inflation isn't going down as quickly as possible, as, as what, we, you know, markets are expecting, there's no doubt, you know, we could see the same sort of circumstance where further rate, rate rises are expected. Okay. And I think that this is something that you all mentioned there. That part of the big frustration, Chris, I know you mentioned it was around um, the lack of notice on rate withdrawals. Um, have you have we seen any particularly poor or good behaviour in the last two weeks that kind of maybe needs to be flagged? There's always a couple of standouts when it comes to changing rates, and and that's one Coventry Building Society, yeah. um, and and two Accord Mortgages. Um, they they both give um, generally 24 or 48 hours notice to, to brokers. Um, there have been some some poor um, performances, but I mean it's also about understanding the reasoning between but behind those um, those quick increases and that is that frankly lenders don't have capacity to take on say 20 days worth of business in in a matter of of hours if they were Mm. to give more notice so it is really tricky for lenders especially as they're they're also running businesses here um, and need to be reactive and and profitable their costs of funds went up very significantly so um, to make sure they're still lending at a profit they have to be reactive and and some lenders aren't um, on overly reactive, maybe they meet once or twice a week um, to discuss rates, whereas other lenders meet every day to discuss rates and constantly adapting scenarios. So um, sometimes lenders, uh, in a panic, have to uh, have to increase those rates. Mm. There are a lot of brokers, though, that would argue that there is, um, you know, a reason and that it would be possible to introduce mandatory notice periods for rate withdrawals. Um, Karen, do you think this is something that would be feasible? I mean, it, it is in in a lot of ways. Yes, it, it would be a good idea if there was more notice. 
I mean, we get inst instances where you're given two hours notice, you know, two, three hours notice of weight withdrawals. I mean, if you're in client meetings and you don't pick up those emails to, you know, towards the end of the day, you've got little that you can do to then secure those rates. And if you've spoken to a client, you know, and got something agreed and you're literally about to submit it, but you're not quite there, you know, you've got really little time to then obviously get that rate secured, especially if you can't speak to your client before the end of the day. But on the other side, you know, the fact that the lenders do have the capacity to withdraw rates quickly means that, that you know, it, with regards to profit margins, um, they can they can do that if it gets to a point where they have to give mandatory notice. Will this mean that this is costing in, in rates because of the fact they've got to allow for the fact that they can't make those quick changes as market conditions move? And then does that mean that the borrowers then are going to end up paying more? So it's a fine balance and it's a really difficult one um, to to really decide on because ultimately, you know, we want the best you know outcomes for our clients. Mm, yeah, there certainly is a lot to consider with it. Nick, um, what are your thoughts on that? Is it an idea that you would back that all lenders should introduce mandatory notice periods? Look, I think while it might work in practice, uh, as as both have rightly mentioned, we need to bear in mind lenders need to be profitable and balanced with service levels. So lenders need to be able to react to unaccountable market shift, which unfortunately means sudden withdrawals. Um, as Karen mentioned, if we, if we do see sort of mandatory, that's only going to put more pressure on rates, which affects the client at the end of the day. Mm. And you did. Sorry, Chris, do you want to come in there on that? Yeah, to to add to that as well. I mean, we've been um, we've been looking at all of these weight, rate withdrawals over the last couple of weeks, and um, I think if we did get to a situation where there were um, mandatory notice periods with any small change in the market, lenders instead of what they're doing now with the increasing rates. Um, we could see more lenders just completely withdrawing their range within that that stated timescale while they watch the market and, and see what they can price at as well. So uh, not just costs could be passed on to um, to end borrowers, but um, also we could see a more volatile market with less lenders in there um, for, for sort of more volatile periods of time. Mm, that's very interesting. So there is potentially a lot of unintended consequences that kind of could arise from this sort of um, policy. So, um, Nick, you touched on service levels there as well. And if we look at the most recent data from HM Revenue and Customs, um, residential property sales were quite low in April. They were down 29% compared to March. And I think this was the lowest level um, seen since October 2021. So I'm just curious in terms of what you are all seeing with business. Um, is it mainly remortgages and product switches that is driving business for you at the moment? Karen, maybe I'll come to you first on that one. Yeah, I think, you know, with with the level of fixed rates that are coming to an end, you know, just this month and obviously this year, um, is definitely remortgages and products which sort of driving the market. I mean, one positive shift that I've certainly seen is that, you know, lenders are looking after their existing clients more, you know, giving opportunities to secure rates further in advance, potentially up to six months, which allows, you know, clients to start looking at securing a rate much earlier than perhaps they would have been able to do maybe a year ago. 
And also lenders are now allowing for existing clients to, you know, if you secure a rate now, but if rates were to drop, say, in three months' time, as long as the new um, deal hasn't started, isn't completed, you can amend the product. So there definitely seems to be moves towards looking after existing clients, particularly as we see this demand in, in that area of the market for existing clients. Sure. And what about, so this was, these were the figures from April. Um, I'm curious in the months since then, Chris, have you seen things pick up? Are we seeing more activity with first-time buyers? There's a small increase of, of activity there, yes. Um, some of that will come down to the uh, the higher rents that a lot of first-time buyers are having to pay at the moment and sort of balancing that up against buying a property and, and sort of building that equity and um, the monthly payments of each. Um in terms of um, remortgaging product transfers, we're still seeing a lot. But what makes it really hard for first-time buyers at the moment, especially with the market moving so quickly, is um, it, it, several, it takes several weeks to get an offer accepted on a property. So those couple of weeks with how fast rates move at the moment could be a couple of hundred pounds difference in terms of monthly payments. Um, so we're constantly helping first-time buyers at the moment, refreshing rates and, and showing them what different levels of borrowing look like. Um, but it's really, really tricky for them because they might make an offer on a property one week and be expecting 1500 in payments a month and then the offer doesn't get accepted for two, three weeks and then the payments are £1,700 a month. Mm. So it's, it's really tricky for first-time buyers but we're definitely getting that engagement again. Um, a lot for the certainty of, of purchasing a home that that gives you where a lot are worried about renting properties or, or struggling to, to rent properties at the moment. Yeah, and a lot of people are in a catch-22 as well because they have the high, the high rents and at the same time that difficulty trying to get the the deposit together to, mm. you know, actually get the mortgage. Nick, is that something, you know, would that align with what you're seeing at the moment as well with first-time buyers? Yeah, definitely. You know, in terms of the activity, you know, we're seeing it more around sort of product transfer mortgage. Yes, in terms of purchases, there's a huge focus around first-time buyers. Um, and as as Chris mentioned, the, the issues around affordability and max borrowing when it comes to what's possible. If we take into a context as well, the latest Halifax figures that came out this morning, you know, in terms of price, prices falling by 1% compared to the same month last year. You know, part of that is, is partially, yes, due to the house price growth we saw at the same time last year. But as a result also of the high interest rates playing their part also. Mm. Yeah, and that's something, I mean, if you think back to December last year and, you know, there was all these predictions around that we were going to see a 20% drop in house price. You know, it was kind of ranging, I think, between like maybe 10% and 30% some people were predicting. I see Chris is kind of smiling beside me here. Do Have we kind of settled that now? You know, we're not going to see such a drastic drop this year. Well, from what I've seen, the people that were predicting the uh, the larger end of those drops have, have gone a little bit quiet. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I think that speaks for itself a little bit. Um, uh, from speaking with lenders and, and economists and things, um, some are saying that, that the damage is already done and, and the, the sort of easing off that we've seen um, has taken place. Others say that there's uh, still a little bit of um, a little bit of movement there potentially. So um, possibly people could be getting a, a good deal on a property now to to offset some of that higher cost. Um, but we're definitely not seeing uh, many predictions of of these 
drastic drops in in purchase price and from um and from speaking with lenders and looking at lender rates as well um you would imagine if there were expectations of um things dropping by 10 20% we wouldn't see many high loan to value mortgages mm. whereas what have we seen we've seen skipton come out with 100% mortgages um for for um certain types of client and we've still seen lots of 90 and 95% mortgage offerings out there Okay, so it's in good good health so far, is what you're what you're saying from 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 what we're seeing, and uh, yeah, we're hoping so. <laughs> yeah, and Karen, what's your kind of perspective on that then? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Chris. I think um, the predictions, obviously, last year of a, a real um, drop in the market, we obviously haven't seen. I mean, there is still you know shortage of housing stock out there, and obviously that is obviously helping keeping houses prices, you know from this this crash to a more of a dip obviously they have slightly um, reduced this morning as Nick mentioned with the latest data from Halifax um, but also you know unemployment is still low so that's another driver in keeping you know house prices stable if, if we see a shift in unemployment rates and perhaps people get to a point where you know with these increasing costs in mortgages they're going to see this year and the increase in the cost of living then that possibly might move make a shift if people then suddenly are in a position where you know running their homes becomes unaffordable and they have to look at you know downsizing or moving and if we see a sudden flood of um, houses come to the market then obviously that could then have an impact um, on house prices, that's for sure. But at the moment, I feel that, you know, it, it's probably going to be more of a steady dip opposed to a great big crash like they, they first predicted at the end of last year. Mm, sure. And it, we touched on this earlier, but in terms of the um, segments of the market that were maybe worst affected in the last two weeks, um, I know we said buy to let was particularly hit. What, Nick, what's going on with buy to let at the moment? I mean, you speak to different brokers and some of them just say there is no new business coming in at all. Is that kind of what you're seeing? It's, it's really difficult when we talk about buy to lets and landlords in terms of the landscape that's there for them. So if we take into account a lot of landlords that, let's say, fixed into a deal, you know, a couple of years ago when, when rates were all time all time low for a lot of them. And when you take into account the rates at the moment and the ICR, they can't essentially leverage up to 75%. So essentially stuck with either looking at a product transfer with that existing lender or having to make substantial overpayments to bring the overall TV down to fit within the ICR calculations. Um, but then you've also got some landlords which are looking at the landscape and the potential legislation in the future as well. It's becoming really difficult for them to see it as a profitable investment. So not just in terms, when, when we talk about buy lets and investments, essentially two streams you've got to consider. One's the rental each month, but one's the also property growth. And if they can't if they can't increase the rent because again they're conscious of the tenants and likewise if we are going to a period where we're not going to see the same price house price growth as we've done previously, the actual especially with a lot of landlords that are essentially only got one or two properties, it makes it slightly difficult and harder to justify whether it's a worthwhile investment for them. Mm. And I'm conscious as well that they're quite different markets when we look at buy to let in London and then outside of London as well. Chris, do you what's your sense of where buy to let is currently? Um it, it it's very tricky at the moment as as Nick said. So um we we've even seen some landlords approaching us for mortgage renewals and and their portfolios will be running at a huge loss if they keep on the way things are with with the way rates are um so it a lot of landlords are looking at restructuring um going into sort of more commercial investments perhaps um looking to 
perhaps change what they do with their single let buy to let properties, maybe split a house into two flats so to, to sort of get a higher yield or split a house into a HMO. Um, that isn't obviously necessarily improving the housing stock out there. Um, but if a landlord is obviously forced to do something like that because they are otherwise going to be running at a loss, it is it is very tricky. A lot of landlords are looking up up north um, mm. where yields are higher so um, that is obviously a trend we've seen over the last few years um, but again if if um, all of the properties up north are being um, snatched up by landlords and, and rented out for higher and higher rents it's not necessarily a good thing so um, it, it's definitely a tough time for landlords and, and really when a broker's advice becomes invaluable in terms and, and, and really accountants and tax advisors advice becomes um, invaluable um, with restructuring and incorporating portfolios and um, looking at it from a from a more business angle to make sure that they can um, operate in a profitable way mm. yeah I'm, I'm just conscious there to stick with buy to let Karen just listening to what Chris was saying there some people would say that that kind of um speaks to the idea that the buy to let system as it currently stands is broken um, and the rental system in the UK is kind of broken would that be something what what are your thoughts on that you know like people can't withstand these higher higher rents that are going to be pushed on them and then you might have landlords that need to leave the market because they just can't increase their rents by the level that's needed to pay their mortgage what what's your thoughts on where Bytelet is going to where it's heading yeah I mean it, it is a difficult sector at the moment I mean particularly you know people who are coming to the end of their deals with the mortgages you know Bytelets typically are done on an interest only basis so you know, with the increase in interest rates, a lot of landlords are going to struggle when it comes to looking at new deals and will potentially be limited to maybe a product transfer with their existing lender because they just haven't got the rental coverage to consider moving to another lender and potentially getting a more competitive rate. Obviously, you know, putting the, the rents up, you know, is an option, but then they've got to think about, you know, losing their tenants and then obviously losing tenants comes within costs of finding new tenants, potential rental voids, you know, tax changes, you know, there's, there's been a lot of hits, I think, for the buy to let market in, in, in different areas with, with mortgages and obviously tax, you know, that it does make it, you know, not such a viable, profitable option at the moment, especially as Chris and Nick have mentioned, you know, with, you know, not getting the profits out of the rent and then obviously housing markets potentially dipping, you know, it's not looking like an area that people are wanting to perhaps invest in at the moment. But, you know, property is a long-term investment and I think that's something that, you know, we have to remember, you know, we have to look at it in the long term. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely an area that's, um, you know, being hit at the moment. I, I definitely agree. Sure. And then just to return to the, the mortgage market more generally because I'm conscious we're, we're coming to the end of our time now but Nick what's your outlook for the coming months in terms of um, where we're going with product offerings and with rates? Good question. Um, <laughs> so in, in relation to rates you know I, I think that we're going to be a period of time where we are going to see higher rates unfortunately it's going to be very much on the back of you know inflation and what's going to be happening over the next few months um for a lot of clients that are coming out of their fixed rates it's really important as, as the last few weeks have shown is actually speaking to a broker and the valuable advice they, that they could give you um and especially which if you're coming to the end of a fixed deal the fact is especially six months before you could put in a new tie into a new deal if rates go down you can always change rates go up at least you've tied into something um in terms of where rates are moving forward 
we're going to be in a new norm. We're no longer going to see rates of one or two percent. That's for sure. And more homeowners have got to realise that to see rates with a four or high threes is going to be where we were previously and have to look at whether they can afford um, borrowing at level and look at their circumstances. Sure. And Chris, if I come to you then, in terms of tips for for potential borrowers at the moment in the current climate, what would be your your number one advice to to people? I I think Nick um, hit the nail on the head there in terms of making sure you're reviewing things nice and early, um, making sure you you seek advice where you can um, so that you understand what you're doing. And and it's it's hard to say, but there is an advantage to to these rates going up. And that is that people are being more educated in the decisions that they're making. They're um, making sure they fully understand the, the products that they're taking, whether it be a, a fixed rate or a tracker rate, um, making sure they just understand every element of the mortgage process. So um, it, it, is, it is good from a borrower point of view that they are seeking that education. Um, but yeah, I think Nick hit the nail on the head. If, if you're looking to refinance in the near future or your rate comes up for renewal in, in the next sort of six, seven months, um, you might as well have a look at it now because you can always review it nearer to the time as well. If you're purchasing, um, yeah, it's also about understanding how rates change um, because you might see the uh, the Bank of England increasing rates from here, but a lot of that is already priced into the mortgage rates we're seeing now because lenders are, are basically predicting the future based on economic forecasts. So um, if the base rate does go up to uh, 5 5.5%, it doesn't necessarily mean that we're then going to see mortgage rates at sort of 7% um, because the increases we have just seen are based on the prediction that the Bank of England will increase the rate moving forward. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just about, about educating and planning and... Um, keeping well keeping in touch with um with with where rates are going and what the market's doing sure sure okay well i think we will leave it there for this week because that's all we have time for but um let's hope things do start to cool down in the coming weeks and months ahead um so a big thank you to karen nick and chris for joining us today and thank you to our listeners as well for tuning in i hope you all have a great weekend and we'll be back next week with another episode of the ft advisor podcast take care 